Welcome to Narrative Responsibility, a podcast about examining the meta story of your life, how well it is serving you, and how to change it for the better. I'm Elena Wolf, relationship coach and life alignment mentor, and this is this week's new perspective. Hi, <laughs> I'm so glad you're here today. This is episode one. What is narrative responsibility? AKA the introduction. Today, we're going to go over who I am and what I do and what this podcast is about, which is really the more important thing. But, you know, we're people, we like to know who it is that we're talking to. So I'll get into a little bit about me first. So again, my name is Elena Wolf. If you have heard me here or there as Elena Nola, that is the name that I use for poetry. I have gone back to my maiden name professionally. And so even though I was using Elena Nola for both sides of my work at first, I am diverging those literary identities as it were. And yeah, so Elena Nola is for poetry. Uh, I have a whole website about that at elenanola.com should anyone out there want to go check it out. But what is relevant for this podcast, which is a personal development and mindset oriented podcast, is my professional work. So what is it that I do? I am first and foremost a relationship coach. This can be in reference to not just our relationships with other people, but also our relationships with ourselves, with our interior experience, our bodies, our emotions, our spirituality, Uh, but yes, also about our relationships with other people and the skills that we need in order to have successful long-term relationships. I am a shamanic guide and facilitator. I'm trained in Norse shamanism and the man who trained me trained with the Scandinavian Institute for Shamanic Studies. That is my lineage. If you pay attention to such things, it is a sober drumming based experience of altered consciousness. And I think has a lot of really cool and useful therapeutic benefits Uh, which I will probably have an entire episode about (laughs) at some point. I am also a Myers-Briggs or Jungian personality type expert that definitely infuses and informs all of my work as a coach, as a mentor, and is something that I have presented on professionally at a couple conferences now. So that's, you know, ongoing professional development work that I do. My mentor in type is Dr. Dario Nardi. He is a personal friend as well as a mentor in my own type preferences because we have the same type preference and just an amazing human being who has a lot of books and a lot of knowledge. And uh, hopefully I will be able to have him on at some point for a conversation. I trained in mentoring and coaching with the Sumalov Academy for Human Integration, SAHI. And I have been coaching for nearly four years now, uh, as of the end of 2023. And I've been studying personality type, relationship dynamics, 
recovering from trauma, recovering from <laughs> dysfunctional uh, ways of relating to self and other for about nine years. So again, my primary mode of working is with the Jungian you know, types, but I am also well-versed in the Enneagram attachment theory, 4F stress response styles. Uh, this is fight, flight, freeze, fawn. Um, a lot of people will only hear it referred to as fight or flight or fight, flight, freeze, but it's actually four, and that is a such a tremendously important distinction. Um, high sensitivity, giftedness, flow states, biosocial energy styles, <laughs> motivation styles. There's so many different systems uh, and different ways to break down how and why humans do things, and I find many of them useful either points of departure or, you know, just different ways of getting at the same thing um, and getting at whether this is speaking to an innate quality about a person or a learned behavior or coping mechanism. I would consider myself trauma-informed. I'm not trained as a counselor or therapist, but I am well-versed in the impacts of complex trauma and relational trauma. And that is something that I'm sure I will talk about at various points in the future as this podcast grows and develops. My MTP, if you know that language, my massively transformative purpose, aka my goal, is to help end cycles of inherited pain and relationship dysfunction. I see those as being pervasive problems in Western culture, and they are also problems that could in large part be solved just with better education and better cultural narratives and skill development. So it's really frustrating um, to live in a culture that has solvable problems and isn't solving them. Um, maybe that's all cultures at all times. I don't know, but I'm a really big picture thinker. And when I was exposed to all of these things that for me were just a matter of education that I didn't have, I got really angry, actually, that those things hadn't been taught to me, that our culture had utterly failed me <laughs> in that way. And it was the start of wanting to approach this work not purely, not for myself, but rather as a professional, because um, this was this was years into having approached it on my own behalf. So that's where the podcast comes in, because it is, in a general way, meant to support my my big, my big picture purpose. I want it to be a free public resource for learning and for shifting perspectives, ideally, you know, creating dialogue and connections as well. I know that there will be episodes that are really focused on personal growth. There will be episodes focused more generally on social philosophy. There will be resource heavy episodes where it's like, I'm going to talk about this specific system um, the specific theory of mind, the specific book or podcast or course, basically just all of the tools that I have personally used and found helpful and would recommend. I also definitely want to have guests on for discussions and either contrasting or complementary perspectives to my own, whether that's about a topic or a specific system or tool, etc. So that in a nutshell, is who I am, what I'm doing, why I'm here. Let's spend the rest of the time talking about what this podcast is supposed to be about. What 
does this concept of narrative responsibility mean? Okay. (laughs) Basically, humans understand the world via narratives. We make meaning out of what we experience by turning those experiences into stories. Stories, by nature of what they are, cut out certain information and emphasize other information. If I tell you the story of going to the store and buying a loaf of bread, like it's not really relevant for me to talk about which path that I took to get to the store, which path I took through the store, what interaction I had with anyone in the store, if the point of that story is that I successfully bought a loaf of bread. Maybe those things are relevant if the story is that I tried to go buy a loaf of bread and then all these crazy things kept getting in my way. And the culmination was I went to the store and had 20 conversations and bought five other things and forgot the bread. Okay. You know, but those are different stories, right? Uh, So different information (laughs) is meaningful and relevant based on the lens of the story that I'm telling. It's not inherently bad for us to do this. Like it's how our brains and our sensory input apparatus bring us into a coherent understanding of what we experienced. Because frankly, we take in so much more information and data than we can actually handle or process or even need to handle or process. Because again, it's not necessarily relevant to the things that we're doing with our with our time with in that moment, the way we're interacting with that environment. Stories help us filter out what isn't relevant so that we can focus on what is relevant. So when I talk about stories, they could be literal narratives. Like it's a sequence of events probably told linearly. At least it happened linearly. Maybe you tell it, you know, non-linearly just for fun. But It's a linear sequence of events linked by causality. That's a really basic definition of what a narrative story is. But I'm talking about narrative at, I guess, a more meta level, where really it just means a, a lens of understanding. So it could be things like theories of mind, philosophy and religion, emotional beliefs that are based on our personal experiences, our social values, pattern recognition, like things that we see as being similar to some other experience or circumstance or event. Might be symbolic meanings or metaphors and analogies and comparisons, even like kind of folk wisdom truisms like, oh, money doesn't grow on trees. The catch is the stories that we tell don't necessarily reflect the truth. (laughs) Like I could have, maybe maybe I met some guy somewhere And I gave him my phone number, or I thought I gave him my phone number, and he never contacted me. I could have a story that he didn't call because he didn't like me. And maybe I even spin that out into meaning all sorts of like really, you know, painful things about myself, like I'm not very pretty, or I must have come off like a, you know, tremendous nerd or something like that. But maybe the truth is that (laughs) the next day, uh, he stepped on his phone and smashed it and lost my number and still regrets it to this day. Like that's possible. I don't know because I'm just telling myself a story. I mean, I might have the fact that like I didn't get that phone call, but I don't necessarily know why. And I might not ever know why. So we make, we make up these stories to help us come to a sense of certainty and closure about what we experience. But 
like sometimes the stories that we're telling are just flat out wrong. <laughs> they're they're based on either an incorrect uh, conclusion that we came to, or maybe we were even lied to about something. Maybe we had an experience that was never properly contextualized. And so, you know, we interpreted it one way based on a very narrow context of life. And then if we stopped and reevaluated it later from a more like broad perspective of experience, we would interpret that event very differently. We also have stories that are more like partial truths. They might apply in some situations, but not all situations, or maybe they're based on part of one situation, but they don't really like cover the whole of it. Anyway, the point is there's a, there's a lot of forms that these inner narratives take and we all have them. Like they really do help us make sense of our lives and they help us know where we need to go next. In my opinion, one of the biggest tasks of adulthood is like the point of adulthood and the point where we know we've kind of reached adulthood is being a sovereign intelligence. And that means that we are clear on what stories we're telling ourselves. And we're clear about the stories that we're living out. And we are consciously and deliberately choosing those stories. In other words, one of the big tasks of adulthood is to recognize that we tell stories and to take responsibilities for the stories that we tell. This looks like evaluating our stories for truth and accuracy comparing our stories to our identity and values, examining where our stories come from and whether we trust that source or those sources, determining if our stories support where we want to go in life or are kind of keeping us stuck where we are now, asking whether our stories limit us or victimize us, considering whether our stories make us better or worse, questioning whether our stories serve us personally or if in fact they serve someone or something else over us. So this podcast is a resource to help you see what your narratives are and to evaluate if they're narratives that you want to keep. It's also meant to support you through the process of changing any stories that you don't want to keep. That is not always a comfortable process. True development is slow and steady. It's consistency and small shifts over big dramatic shifts. Growth and change require us to challenge our beliefs and perspectives. Sometimes these are beliefs and perspectives that we've had a long time, maybe even as long as we have an experience of consciousness. And maybe they are perspectives that we have found a lot of comfort in or gotten a lot of use out of. One of my core values as a human being is informed consent. That is being given complete and accurate information and then allowed to decide the course of action that I want to take. Or, you know, if I'm trying to give someone else informed consent, giving them complete and accurate information and allowing them to decide for themselves what course of action they want to take. Right now, with the way our culture works, we are not given informed consent about our narratives. The process by which we learn means that we prioritize our initial experiences and we kind of compare every other experience to that first one. And we become conditioned by repetition and strong emotional imprints, maybe sometimes both, to accept an idea that we saw 
either that made a huge impression on us or simply that we saw over and over again as truth, as a reflection of reality. But just because we see something all the time or just because something makes a really strong impression on us doesn't make it true. It doesn't make it a reflection of reality. Our cultural beliefs and our social norms, like they might, it might be reality that a lot of people share them, but that doesn't make them right in some fundamental way. That doesn't make them the only appropriate culture to have, the only way to be human, the only way to be happy, like, or healthy is maybe a more salient adjective there. Uh, in fact, a lot of cultural norms and social beliefs can be really damaging. Just because they're common doesn't make them good. We don't get informed consent about our family relationship patterns, the values that we inherit from our family, the expectations that our families put upon us. We don't get informed consent about the social roles and identities that we take on, especially in our younger years. We are born into a family. We are born into a culture. We don't get to choose being born and we don't get to choose who we were born to or what culture we were born to. We are expected to participate in that family system and in that cultural system and to play certain roles and to have certain identities in that system, whether they align for us or not, whether we want to or not. It's a matter of survival that we have to do those things as children before we are fully sovereign, intelligent beings capable of giving informed consent. It's a whole other rant that children can't have consensual relationships. Um, trying to focus. The beliefs that we absorb. <laughs> the beliefs we absorb about what is right and proper and best and normal and sinful and wrong and bad and all of these things. Our beliefs about what's possible, like what we can, well, what, what's possible for us as an individual, what's possible for for life and, and this experience of the world. And sometimes even our beliefs about what is true. Like there's so many systems that, that exist and maybe we can assume there's innocence and that they're trying to give us the best way forward and good information, the best information they can and the best tools that they can. And unless informed consent and an awareness of other ways of being is also built into those systems, then those systems are failing us. And honestly, a lot of the systems are probably built to keep us in certain modes of tradition and subservience and serving some other goal, entity, or purpose than our own sovereignty and our own best interests. As humans, we absorb narratives all the time. I mean, obviously this is happening a lot as kids, but even as adults, the media that we consume shapes our narratives. In my opinion, we owe it to both ourselves and each other to periodically audit our beliefs, our narratives, as individuals and as a culture. So whether we're talking like a group of two, maybe this means you and your significant partner, or a group like you and your whole family, or your religion, or even your country. Like groups come in various sizes and they have various purposes. And it's important to have an awareness of what the stories of your group are and what the purpose behind those stories is. 
I also personally believe that content creators have a responsibility for the stories that they tell and the ones that they don't tell. As an elder millennial, (laughs) uh, I will say that a lot of the stories in the cultural zeitgeist, at least for my generation, seem to involve acknowledging people's struggles and um, maybe a rejection of this need to be perfect and, and this sort of seeing below the surface that, oh, there is no such thing as perfect. And we all have flaws and we all have um, have struggles. It's an awareness, you know, of, I guess, the, the concept of, oh, you know, we have inner demons. But what I don't actually see a lot of, and this bothers me, is an awareness that, that, that there's a difference between between being human, needing to learn, needing to make mistakes and then correct mistakes in order to improve and get better. And this idea of being somehow uniquely or innately flawed, or that, you know, the the pain that drives us from the inside is an unhealable agony, and that we will always have to to cope with it or or live with it. I personally don't think that's true. Uh, In a lot of cases, (laughs) I think that A lot of people are carrying around unprocessed and unhealed trauma and that that in fact is a wound that is healable and can be resolved. And if we saw more examples of that, instead of people just learning to live with it, then I think we'd all be better off. So this podcast is my contribution to that collective narrative. My intent with it is for me to try my best to express an alternative perspective that I genuinely believe in, by the way, based on my personal experiences, uh, as well as my values and general kind of mindset. I believe that healing is possible. I believe that change is possible, that it can be real and it can be permanent. I think we can break bad patterns of thought and habits of behavior. I think we can use our mistakes and our missteps as learning tools to keep progressing toward our goals instead of seeing them as failures or seeing ourselves as failures because of because of mistakes. So I guess in a really broad way, this podcast is just a mindset podcast. What mindset do you have and what mindset can you have? My job is to help you have informed consent around your narratives, your beliefs, your mindset, and the ways you interpret the events of your life. So that's it for today. Thank you for tuning in and spending this time with me. If you're curious to know a little bit more about my work, you can check out thepatternbreaker.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at thepatternbreaker. Till next time, what story in your life are you going to take responsibility for? 